Welcome to the Lagan Valley Vineyard Podcast. We are a community passionate about seeing Lagan Valley filled with the presence and the teachings of Jesus. If you would like to connect with us or if we can help you in any way, please visit our website, laganvalleyvineyard.com. Good morning. How are you guys doing? That's a sincere question. I'm, I'm how are you doing? How, how many of you feel wonderful? Put your hand up. That's good. Don't be ashamed. Be wonderful. Yes, we celebrate with you if you're wonderful. Anybody here uh, feel a bit tired? Go ahead. Put your hands up. Oh, I. If you're a parent in here and your hand isn't up, I got issues with you. Anybody feel like you got a lot on your plate, a lot going on in life, a little bit overwhelmed? I feel that. Yep. Yep. So as you can see, you're, you're in good company. This is a safe space of people just deep in the human experience, feeling tired and happy and overwhelmed and whatever. It's all, it's all normal. This is life. What's really wonderful is, um, you know, God's desire isn't to deliver you from having to experience life. His desire is to walk with you through it and through your experiences, producing you holiness and joy and contentment that isn't tied to circumstance and a, and a heart and a mind that resembles his heart and mind. That's good news, isn't it? Because if it was to cure us from humanity, we'd all be a little bit We'd be failing, wouldn't we? Because it's not working. <laughs> now, we've established that we've all come and we're tired. And I don't know about you, my bed was not for letting me go this morning. For goodness sake, I had to fight to get out of the bed. So what I would say to you this morning is all the effort it took for you to be here in this place, not, let's not waste it. We're here for a reason. It's a beautiful promise in scripture that when we gather, the Lord is among us. And where the Lord is, he has an agenda. He has a purpose. So if you are able, would you stand up with me? I want you to grab a Bible, a physical Bible. I think uh, we're reading, from, no, I know we're reading from Isaiah 61. I think that is on page 511 in the Black Bibles. And while you find that, I just want to say to you this morning, church, um, I want to encourage your boldness this morning. Be a wee bit rascally this morning. Say, Lord, I am here this morning. I did all that effort to be here because I want to meet with you. I want to hear what you have to say to me. So we're going to read Isaiah 61. We are at verse 10. I'll be honest with you. I got a little bit disappointed when they told me I was preaching on verse 10. Because all the verses before this are just epic. Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He's anointed me to preach the good news. Who got that verse? Did you get that verse? That was good. I got verse 10. I'm going to read it. I'm going to read it through once, and then I'm going to read one part of it a couple of more times, 
because sometimes we're a little too tired to take it in on the first time, okay? So as I say to my children, I want you to quiet your minds, quiet your bodies, quiet your mouths. <laughs> Let's read the word of the Lord together. Isaiah 61:10. I delight greatly in the Lord. My soul rejoices in my God, for he has clothed me with garments of salvation and arrayed me in a robe of his righteousness. As a bridegroom adorns his head like a priest, and as a bride adorns herself with her jewels. I delight greatly in the Lord. My soul rejoices in my God. I delight greatly in the Lord. My soul rejoices in my God. You may be seated. We've been in Isaiah 61 for a few weeks now, and it has been incredible as we've been talking about rebuilding the ruins. And we're nearly at the end of this particular portion of scripture. We have one more verse to look at next week. But here I am in, in verse 10, and I'm kind of like, but verses 1 through 9 was so cool. Verses 1 through 9 was like epic. It was like Marvel superhero, wonderful. The gist is God is coming. And he's not just coming in regular fashion. He is going to come in epic ways. He has an agenda, and his agenda is to bring freedom to the captives. His agenda is to declare the year of the Lord's favor. His agenda is to anoint us with oil of joy instead of mourning. This is incredible stuff. And Isaiah, the prophet here, is sharing this word that he heard from the Lord. He is declaring this word. And then verse 10 comes. And I find it a bit odd because it's not really in the same vibe as the former nine verses. And actually, while I was reading it, it's more like Isaiah's response to what he has just heard. You see, in the first nine verses, God is declaring who he is and what he is about. And Isaiah is swept up and caught up in this powerful declaration. And his response is to say, I delight greatly in the Lord. My soul rejoices in my God. Can I ask you a question this morning? Can you say that you delight greatly in the Lord? It's not a trick question. I'll be honest with you. My feelings toward the Lord oftentimes would not be filed under delight. I mean, to be quite honest with you, I'm a tired working mother of three. Delight is not my normal state of being. 
I'm just being honest. When I lived in Los Angeles, a movie came out. And listen, I'm going to make you feel really intelligent and good about your own taste in entertainment because, um, yeah. Anyway, this is, I love this movie. This movie came out starring Will Ferrell, and it was called Talladega Nights. Anybody seen Talladega Nights? Yeah. Well, I went to see that movie in the theater with a friend of mine, and I laughed so hard, the rest of the movie theater was like looking at me like, are you okay? And there is this one scene that honestly, I just, I probably memorized it because it made me laugh so much. And maybe it was because I grew up in church, so I've heard a lot of different types of prayers, you know? And uh, this scene is where the lead character, whose name is Ricky Bobby, and he is absolutely as country as he sounds, Ricky Bobby, who is a NASCAR driver, becomes this like superstar, okay? And he makes so much money driving NASCAR that he's able to buy this massive mansion, like those, like you never need that much house kind of mansion, you know? And in this particular scene, he's at the dinner table with his family. It's him and his beautiful Model S wife and his best friend and his two sons and his father-in-law. And they're about to eat this spread of the most American food you've ever seen in your life. It's like fast food. They've put it all on platters. Fast food. And he says, but before we eat, we're going to pray because that's what we do. So Ricky Bobby starts the prayer, and it goes a little something like this. Dear Lord, baby Jesus, we thank you for so much bountiful harvest, this Domino's, KFC, and the always delicious Taco Bell. I just want to take time to say thank you for my family, my two beautiful, beautiful, handsome, striking sons, Walker and Texas Ranger. And of course, my red-hot smoking wife, Carly. I don't know why Andrew doesn't pray like this. I feel like I deserve that. I also want to thank you for my best friend and teammate, Cal Naughton Jr., who's got my back no matter what. And dear Lord, baby Jesus... We also thank you for my wife's father, Chip. We hope that you can use your baby Jesus powers to heal him and his horrible leg. It smells terrible and the dogs are always bothering with it. <laughs> Dear tiny infant Jesus, and it's at this point that his wife has had enough. And she says, you know, sweetie, Jesus did grow up. You don't always have to call him baby. It's a bit odd and off-putting to pray to a baby. And Ricky Bobby says, well, look, I like the Christmas Jesus best when I'm saying grace. When you say grace, you can say it to grown-up Jesus, teenage Jesus, or bearded Jesus, whoever you want. But I like the baby version best. So he carries on. He says, dear tiny Jesus in your golden fleece diapers with your tiny little fat balled up fist. And he goes on and on and on. Now, his friend, Cal Naughton Jr., got very excited about this. He loved this idea of the different types of Jesus, so he decided he wanted to get on, and he says, I like to picture Jesus in a tuxedo T-shirt, 
Because it says, like, I want to be formal, but I'm here to party, too. <laughs> and I like to party, so I like my Jesus to party. And I like to think of Jesus with giant eagle's wings and singing lead vocals for Leonard Skinner, like with an angel band. And I'm in the front row. Love that scene. It's one of those things that makes you laugh and then it makes you go, mm. because if we're honest, we're not maybe as ridiculous in how we communicated, but we're all a little bit like Ricky Bobby and Cal Jr., aren't we? We all like our versions of Jesus. And it's very easy for us to adopt our particular palatable, always agreeing with us version of Jesus. Delighting in our made up Jesus. Getting angry with our made up Jesus when he does not do what we decided he should do. Fantasizing of a Jesus entertaining us with his blessings and goodness while we do things that deeply grieve his spirit. What's your Jesus like? My Jesus, well, my Jesus, he's lovely. My Jesus is super laid back, always just ready to bless me with all the things I want and requiring very little of me in return. My Jesus doesn't ask me to die for him or to fast or to talk to people about my faith or step outside my comfort zone at all, really. Does yours? Would your Jesus ever ask you to give all your money to those in need? Does your Jesus show you where you're wrong and lead you to humbly ask those around you for forgiveness? Does your Jesus have anything to say about your shopping habits or what you indulge in on the internet or how you speak to your spouse? Does your Jesus remind you to practice hospitality even if all you can afford to serve is soup and bread? Does your Jesus ever talk to you about the systematic segregation we live in in Northern Ireland? Does your Jesus consistently lead you to pray for those you dislike deeply? The reality is God exists outside of us. He is alive and he is well and he is his own being. And he doesn't need us to make him up for him to exist. And much like Isaiah 61, the Bible is filled to the brim with prophecies and stories and scriptures and warnings and promises, all designed, all curated by God so that you can know 
who he says he is. Through his word, he is constantly saying, this is who I am. This is who I am. So the thought that we could know God without consistently reading his word is kind of ridiculous, isn't it? The prophet Isaiah in verse 10 was overwhelmed with delight and love for God because he listened to God tell him who he is. I truly believe there is only one response when we actually listen to God tell us who he is and believe him. And that response is to be delighted in him. I'll say something a little bit controversial. I think when we don't feel a delight in the Lord, I think a lot of times it's because we're looking at our version of Jesus. I have to admit, and I won't apologize for it, the last few times that I have been asked to to preach on a Sunday, I've talked about reading your Bibles. And it's because I genuinely feel like this is the word of the Lord for us in this season of our church community. I feel like the Father is consistently saying to us all these things we talk about, we want to see, we want to do in our community, they start with you knowing the Father. They don't start with you being perfect. They don't start with you getting your family in order. They don't start with you uh, cleaning up your pantry and eating all the right things. And all of the things start with you knowing God. Not knowing about him, knowing him. This is a challenging thing for me. I am in the thicket with you. The Holy Spirit is challenging me daily about being in his word. And our family has been on this journey together for the last few years. And I remember one Advent a few years ago, we decided to commit to actually doing Advent. It was one of the first Advents that we did together as a family. And we used this book, you should write this down if you need a family Advent book, by Ann Voskamp called Unwrapping the Greatest Gift. It is amazing. Um, and our kids were really young at this stage. So it was kind of like a circus, basically, when we were doing it. And I remember we got to day eight, and I would sort of, sort of browse over the material so I could sort of preempt any of their weird questions, right? And I thought, oh no. <sighs> Day eight, the story was about Abraham and Isaac. Now, this is one of those stories that if I'm honest, I don't love to think too hard about because it's, it's actually a bit unpalatable. It's kind of weird. Quick recap, if you don't remember. Abraham is asked by God to sacrifice his son, his only child, the child that took decades for him and his wife to conceive because they had major fertility issues. 
And just to be clear, when I say God asked him to sacrifice his son, we're not talking about an LVV dedication, okay? That Read that word, kill. I'm going to be completely and totally honest with you. This story in the Bible was not tracking with my version of what God should be like. So I thought to myself, you know what? This is going to be weird. This is kind of scary story to tell kids. Like I could see them being like, are you going to sacrifice us? You know? I was like, ah, they're not ready for this. I'll skip this one. I'll plug in another Bible story. And immediately, and I want to be clear, this is not my normal. I don't always hear the Lord speak to me so clearly. But immediately, the Holy Spirit, like, thundered in my heart, no. No. And I felt him say to me, do not skip any part of me. This is who I am. Don't edit me. Don't rewrite me. Introduce your kids to me, not a watered down version of me. Teach them that if any part of me offends them, they can lean in closer. But they can't choose me if they don't know me. So that evening, we read Abraham and Isaac, and it was weird, and they had so many questions, and we did our best. We discussed more than we answered. Some of the questions we said, I have to get back to you on that one. We prayed, and this is the reason why I will never forget this moment for as long as I live. When I did what the Holy Spirit told me to do, when I presented these children with God's version of who he is, do you know what their response was? All three of them, one by one. Mommy, Daddy, can you pray with me? I want Jesus to be the boss of my life. You cannot delight in the Lord unless you know the Lord. And you cannot know the Lord unless you allow him to tell you who he is. The reality is it is super normal. And I I, want to say this and I don't want anyone to feel, what's the word? Condemnation judged, guilt, because we're all in the same boat here. It is really normal for someone to identify as a Christian and barely read the Bible. It's probably more normal than not, okay? And it's super normal for someone to identify as a Christian and not spend time in the presence of God regularly and pray and talk to Jesus and ask him what he's saying. That's really normal. 
And what that is called is a nominal faith. Have you ever heard that? A nominal faith. And what that word nominal means is in name only or far below the real value or cost. Now, I, for one, have woken up and realized that I am living my faith far below the real value of, or cost of the gospel. But LVV, I would, I would implore you, let's, let's not do that. Let's not do that. You know, in the last year or so, one of the things that God has been doing in me is something that I don't really... Do you know, I think sometimes we think the work of the Lord in our lives is super boring. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, oh, I'm just going to do some work in my life. I'm reading my Bible and pray every day. And, and you think you know what the Lord's going to do, but most of the time he does some really weird and fun stuff. And one of the weird and really fun things that the Lord has asked me to do, and I've leaned into is he's like, Dana... You've gotten super boring. Where's your imagination? Where's your imagination? Let's dream together. And so over the last year, I just sometimes sit down and just dream with the Lord about all sorts of things. I think about the kind of people I would love my kids to be. Not what they do. I don't care what they do as long as they're happy and contributing to society. But like who they are like their character. I dream about what I would love Christmases to be like in 30 years. You know, weird things. And one of the things that I have been dreaming with the Lord about is um, our community, is you. I spend time using my imagination and dreaming with the Lord about you. Can I share with you my dream for you? I have a really big dream in my heart that you, your children's children's children will still be talking about your faith in generations to come. And they will cite your faith as the foundation for their faith. I dream that your delight, like childlike delight, not like these like, gotta read the word, your childlike delight in God's word, your faith in action in our community will be cited as one of the things that transformed Northern Ireland. The way you walked with Jesus crippled the grip of systematic poverty, of segregation, and the lingering hold of a sectarian legacy. You. I see generations from now still talking about your faithfulness as you gave your life to consistent, steady, and mostly unseen prayer injustice work and sometimes 
I like close my eyes and picture you all as super old and wrinkly. And with canes walking around the streets of Lisburn and your towns and your villages. And in your eyes, I see you full of the joy and the wisdom and the rascality and the boldness that comes from a lifetime of walking with Jesus. I see you in that moment still releasing the young people go and do. I see you knowing the word of the Lord so well that you can declare, just like the prophet Isaiah, the Lord has given me a well-instructed tongue to know the word that sustains the weary. And in my most indulgent moments of dreaming for you, I see you finally coming face to face with Jesus. And you fall to your knees as he says to you, well done. I'm so proud of you. You were faithful in the little things and I couldn't be prouder. I see that for you. And I know God sees that for you. And the best news is that is for you. And how do we get there as a community? I wish that I could tell you there was some magical dance we could all do like a TikTok dance. And after we did this dance, oh, we're gonna be filled with all the, the intentionality and, and energy that we needed to run our race. But the reality is, it's just little things done consistently every single day. When the Lord started speaking to me about me reading his word, I was barely reading the Bible, okay? I had a lot of little kids. I was tired. I was touring, and it felt too big. It felt too much. It felt too much. So he says, you know what? You need to lower the bar. Start really. That's the trick, isn't it? When you want to do something, you cannot start high. I have a problem. I'm like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get fit. And then I'm like, I know how I'll start. I'll run a marathon. You know, that's not a thing, okay? Like literally just walk to the kitchen. That was, that's like the first one, right? <laughs> and so I started, and I started really small. I said, you know what? I can read one verse a day. That's what I can do. I can read one verse a day. 
There's no shame in starting small. There's no shame in saying, God, this, this, I want to do this one thing really well. Can I start with one thing? We have developed another booklet. We did one for Christmas, the Advent book, and we've done one for Lent. And we've done it so that we can all do it together, okay? And Lent starts this Wednesday. Lent is six weeks long, okay? I never did Lent before this. I never gave up any amount of chocolate for anything. And I'm not going to give up chocolate this year. If you want to give up chocolate or TV or whatever, that is, uh, yes, amen, and we are with you on that one. But Yvette read this earlier out of Isaiah 58, because we asked ourselves, we do want to participate in Lent this year. We want to do it as a community. We want it to be a, a catalyst for pushing a lot of us into a daily rhythm of spending time in the Word of God. And so we went back to the Word of God and we said, what is it that you actually want from us during this Lent season? And that scripture in Isaiah 58 really caught our heart. And so our fast this year, we have seven fasts that we're doing, the seven weeks of Lent, I know I said six. It's just really weird. I don't know how they did this. I don't know who organized this, but it's like six and a half weeks. So it starts on Wednesday, okay? But so seven weeks of Lent. We're going to fast from the fear of this world, and we're going to feast on the fear of God. We're going to fast from words that pollute, and we're going to feast on words that bring life. We're going to fast from discontent, and we're going to feast on gratitude, we're going to fast from acting out of anger, and we're going to feast on patience. We're going to fast from negativity. We're going to feast on hope. We're going to fast from self-concern. We're going to feast on compassion. And we're going to fast from greed, and we're going to feast on hospitality. If you're able, will you stand up with me this morning? And worship team's going to come up and get ready to lead us in worship as we respond to the Lord. I want to see Isaiah 61 in my life. I want to see it overflowing out of my home to the homes of my neighbors to my local shop, to my local community groups, to the places where I work. And I'm pretty convinced that the starting point is in the Word of God. We're not running a quick race here. These dreams that we have for our city, for our country, it requires the long game. The dreams you have for your families require a long game. And I want to invite you this morning, 
yet again, as it tends to be, this is my, I guess, this is my thing. I invite you again to commit yourself to meeting God and his word every day, however small. And when you open the word of God, I want to challenge you to go with a question for the next wee while. I want you to say, God, who are you? And allow him to speak to you. There'll be parts that make you uncomfortable. There'll be things you don't like. That's okay. That's normal. But to get to where you want to go, small, consistent steps in the same direction for the rest of your life. I've been going back and forth about how I was going to ask you to respond. I know, I know the country I live in. We do not like to be moving about in church. We do not want to draw attention to ourselves. But do you know, I think there's not, there's not much else for it this morning. I'm going to ask you if you want to respond and say yes to Jesus. I would ask you to move to the front during the worship. Not for anything magical. Just respond with your body. Move to the front. There's plenty of space up here. There's a, there's a rug right here. When you tell Northern Ash people to move to the front, they like take three steps forward. There's a rug right here. Come stand on the rug. It's just a way of saying, Lord, I'm gonna, I am going to move out of my comfort zone. I am going to do something different because I want something different. So let's worship together. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. You're welcome here. You're welcome here. Come, Jesus. Jesus.